This is the House Call Doctor's Quick and Dirty Tips for Taking Charge of Your Health, and I'm your host, Dr. Madged. As always, thanks for listening. If you learn anything here in my podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, which is otherwise known as Apple Podcasts. Your reviews will really help make my podcast possible, and even better. It also will help boost the show so that more people can find it. Either way, I'm very thankful for all of you that listen to my podcast every week, and for those of you who read my social media posts and leave comments. Thank you for your support, always. So it's no secret that the cost of healthcare in this country seems to be exponentially rising. We are one of the only well-developed Western countries without an efficient healthcare system. Unfortunately, healthcare is still a business in the U.S., and that means money. Should it be? This seems to be at the heart of the debate these days. Should caring for someone's life involve decisions that involve money? Well, there are serious flaws in this type of system, as you can imagine. First of all, doctors tend to be pretty clueless when it comes to money. We don't know how to manage it. We don't get trained on how to do this, and our head is stuck in a book for a minimum of 11 years after high school. By the time we start earning an income, we have no idea how to handle it or how to manage a business if we decide to pursue private practice. We also don't know how much anything truly costs in medicine. During my residency training, I particularly remember an uninsured friend who was picked up by an ambulance during an emergency and transferred to the ER. I was absolutely floored to learn that the cost of the entire ordeal was over $25,000. Doctors are not well-trained to understand the cost of tests. This was the first time that I had actually heard of anything about the financial side of medicine. I was so focused on learning the art of medicine and how to problem solve that I neglected this important component of our current U.S. system. This can be good or bad. It's good because you don't want your doctor to think about the cost of anything that they deem worthy of your health. You want them to practice medicine as it should be. Their decisions should be without these financial distractions. But it may be bad in another sense because it doesn't reflect your reality. You may actually receive a bill, and perhaps an outrageous one at that, and you find it difficult to pay off for a long time to come, especially if it's a test that you really didn't even need in the first place. Now, most doctors are employees of large groups that aim to protect their reputation and jobs, just like any other business. Patients pay heftily for their health insurance plans and understandably have high expectations for their care as a result. And because physicians are rated by patients online or by employer surveys and really not by the quality of medicine that they deliver, an unhealthy cycle ensues where doctors may hesitate to deny patients their requests. So where does this all lead? to the cycle of over-testing, over-spending, and increased costs. What also works against us docs is the ever-growing media monster that drives up the costs of drugs using skewed pharmaceutical advertisements that attempt to brainwash the masses in order to sell their drugs. Low T, anyone? I'm referring to the phrase that was coined by a drug company in order to sell a medication, and now everyone knows what low T is, low testosterone, and everyone comes in asking for testosterones to be checked as a result. 
how can I compete with that as a lowly physician in a clinic? And why am I placed in that position to do so in the first place anyway? These are the thoughts that go through my mind personally. It doesn't look like our healthcare system is changing significantly anytime soon. So us doctors, we need to fight back. We need to start saying no. And we need to educate the patient population kindly as to why we are saying no. And patients can do their part by finding a doctor that they trust. That is an important key step. And then try to learn the pros and cons and discuss it with your doctor so that they understand why some tests are bogus and unnecessary. So let's review a few tests that many people think that they need, but really don't. But first, just a short word from my sponsor that truly makes the House Call Doctor podcast possible. These days, we all know you can buy just about anything on Amazon, from shoes to bed sheets to small appliances. It's quick and it's convenient, and it can also support our show. Here's how. Go to quickanddirtytips.com slash Amazon and click the link at the top of the page and you'll be taken to the Amazon homepage. Then add whatever you'd like to the Amazon shopping cart and check out as you normally would. In doing so, you can help support the work that we're doing at QDT to provide high quality content from blog posts to books to podcasts like this one. Again, that's quickanddirtytips.com slash Amazon. All right, so let's talk about some of these unnecessary tests. First of all, vitamin D. Dr. Madge, can you check my vitamin D level and my blood work? Well, why are you concerned about your vitamin D level? I ask. Well, because I'm tired all the time and my sister tells me that vitamin D can give me energy and that I should get my level checked to see if I'm low. The hype is, I have to admit, frustratingly widespread and is truly a challenge to fight the vitamin D battle. The media has portrayed vitamin D as a miraculous answer to all things medical, from fatigue to depression to heart attacks and even to cancer. But there's not a lot of science to back up all of these claims. In fact, the vitamin industry is not quite a profitable one, if you haven't noticed. And if you recall a decade or two ago, the vitamin craze hadn't hit yet. Everyone now prefers something natural, quote unquote, to treat their ailments nowadays. Hey, I am with you on that. I really wish that there were a true natural option for everything. But as I've mentioned in my prior podcasts, for those of you who listen every week, not everything natural is necessarily safe or effective. But the vitamin industry doesn't tell you that, that they remain unchecked and FDA unregulated. So the truth is that there's no good evidence that even checking vitamin D levels in most patients is beneficial. What population has been shown to possibly benefit from checking levels? Well, elderly patients at risk for falls or elderly in nursing homes or who are homebound, those with intestinal disease such as Crohn's and celiac, Certain surgeries with removal of the intestines on the stomach, all of these interfere with the vitamin D absorption. And then those with kidney or liver disease that help metabolize vitamin D. And lastly, those with osteoporosis and parathyroid disorders. And get this, expert groups don't even agree on what normal levels really are. Some say 20 and some say 30. We really don't know. The cost for this one single test? Hundreds. And insurance often will deny coverage for anything that is not backed up by evidence, 
Unfortunately, the patients often ultimately carry the load and receive the bill. Number two, a shoulder or knee MRI. Well, as with everything else on my list, I'm referring to most. Most people with shoulder or knee pain don't really need an MRI. Are you surprised to hear this? Well, you're definitely not alone. Let's take this example. You're, let's say, in your 50s or so, and you've been suffering from chronic knee pain for the last one to two years now, and you finally discuss it with your doctor because it seems to be worsening through time, and your doctor orders an x-ray. But it's normal. So now what? An x-ray doesn't say much for the soft tissue ligaments and the meniscus, right? So you request an MRI. What if you have a meniscal tear? You're thinking. Well, meniscal knee surgery is really the top knee surgery performed by orthopedic surgeons in the U.S. It costs an estimated $4 billion annually alone by itself. Studies have recently shown that whether you have the knee surgery for a degenerative meniscal repair or not, the end point is really the same. People do equally as well with conservative treatment, meaning physical therapy, activity modification, anti-inflammatories, etc. They do equally as well long-term. Now, an MRI is typically only useful if you are ready to surgically repair it, meaning it's last resort. So let's say that you do have that knee MRI and it shows a ligament or a meniscal tear. What will you do with that knowledge? Well, lots of people have a meniscal tear and they live with it. This is what I always tell my patients. You don't have to surgically correct it. And that is totally fine. There's nothing dangerous about leaving it unrepaired for most people. But we just spent thousands of dollars for a test that will not really change our outcome one way or another. What's the point of doing it in the first place? Simply to know In my humble opinion, it's really not worth contributing to the rising healthcare costs by performing unnecessary MRIs, which is one of the most commonly ordered high-cost tests in medicine. Number three, hormone levels. I'm so moody these days, doc. Can you check my hormone levels? By hormone levels, we're often referring to the female feed-good hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and their precursors. Did you know that in a menstruating female, these hormone levels are all over the map? It can be low and seemingly in in the menopausal range on one day, and then high enough to carry really a pregnancy on another. In women who still have cycles, testing the levels are really not very revealing because of this. And the blood level certainly cannot explain any moodiness. But... I have talked about that topic before, and I've placed the link on the transcript to this podcast on my page on the quickanddirtytips.com website. The truth is, the symptoms of perimenopause can begin up to 5 to 10 years prior to menopause. Symptoms can plague us women during the entire time period. We don't really need a blood test to tell us that. Hormone levels are not even typically necessary to diagnose menopause either which occurs at an average age of 51 in U.S. women. And really, it's just defined simply by a lack of a menstrual period for one year. That's it. No test needed. Now, there are instances in which checking hormone levels may be useful. For example, it would be unusual for a 35-year-old young woman to be in menopause. 
So in this case, the blood levels may be useful if I'm suspecting anything like premature ovarian failure. Now, fertility clinics may also order estrogen levels to determine when to administer certain treatments. But in general, hormone levels are over-tested and likely unnecessary in most women. Now, lastly for today's podcast, blood type. I always get a little taken back when I receive the request to order a blood type on a patient. I'm not really sure why. It's not terribly often, but it does happen. I just would like to know, doc. I've never known, they say. Well, me neither. To be honest, I don't even know my own blood type. The truth is, it's not generally useful to us doctors unless, let's say, you're donating blood products or you're receiving blood products or if you're pregnant. Outside and nearby countries, however, they seem to routinely order blood types on patients. But as everything else in the U.S., unless there's a scientifically validated reason for ordering it, your insurance will send you a nice fat bill for this one too. So you have now taken part in some of the explanations that I hear myself reiterating repeatedly while in clinic. I would say that about 99% of patients are very understanding and are on the same page with me after learning the real scoop on each test. But I must say, I do tend to attract a very kind patient population who trusts my expertise, thankfully. So today we've reviewed four of those conversations. Next week, let's pick up where we've left off and review the next set of unnecessary yet costly tests that are commonly ordered in medicine. Well, share your ideas and learn more quick and dirty tips with us on the House Call Doctors Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest pages. You can also now follow me on my new Instagram page at dr for doctor, dr.s.majd, matched. If you learned anything here today, or if you simply enjoy all things medical, you can also listen and subscribe to the House Call Doctor podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. But please note that all content here really is strictly for informational purposes only. This content does not substitute any medical advice. It does not replace any medical judgment or reasoning by your own personal health provider. So, so please always seek a licensed physician in your area regarding all health-related questions and issues. Well, thanks again for listening to another episode of The House Call Doctor. I hope you stay healthy and I'll catch you next time.